0: This is a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, The Business Station. It's seven forty eight, Tuesday, the sixth of February, and you're listening to the Morning Run. Now, last Friday, after an information vacuum, the pardons board finally released an announcement that it decided to reduce Datuk Sri Najib Razak's prison sentence to just six years, accompanied by a reduction in his fine to fifty million ringgit from two hundred and ten million ringgit. Now, while this has left numerous unresolved questions lingering criticism has been directed at both the Prime Minister and political parties within the unity government, accusing them of compromising on corruption.
1: The AP has come under scrutiny following comments from its Secretary-General, Anthony Lok, who asserted that the pardons Board's decision is final and beyond challenge in any court. Meanwhile, there were also concerns over the impact of such a decision on business and foreign direct investment in Malaysia as well. So is our progress in fighting against corruption on the line and how should we interpret the reaction of the government.
0: For some answers, we speak to On Ken Ming, former Deputy Minister of International Trade and Industry and still a current member of DAP. He was also, of course, at one time, Member of Parliament for Bangi. Now, Ken Ming, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Now, Farsi, could we get your reactions to the Pardon Board's decision to reduce our former Prime Minister's prison sentence and fine? Were you surprised and do you think it's really beyond the Prime Minister or the government when it comes to a decision like this?
2: Uh, good morning guys thanks thanks for inviting me i would have been more surprised if a full pardon was given to the sri najib that was the and i think when the reduced prison sentence and fine was uh, finally announced uh, probably came as a relief to many uh, but still would have raised the ire uh, and the anger of many Pakatan harapan supporters but i think from a political analysis standpoint it was a compromise uh, that was made Uh, by some of the major players in this uh, political landscape. Kemming, uh,
1: the DAP leadership has remained relatively muted so far. Why is that so? And how does this represent the party's stance on battling corruption and promoting institutional reform?
2: I think on this part, uh, I'm frankly quite disappointed, which is why I issued a press statement yesterday asking the DAP leadership to state its position on three things. Uh, Its position on the 1MDB scandal, its position on uh, Tony Pua's uh, calling up uh, you know, by the uh, you know by Bukit Aman on some of his Facebook posts, and then finally you know DP's position on institutional reform. Uh, and, and I think so far we've not really heard anything uh, back uh, from the DP leadership. And even somebody like Lim Kit Siang, who is very used to writing and talking about deafening silences, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: when it comes when he was in opposition. And now you know he's no longer a member of the Central Executive Committee. Uh, he has not said anything on this, so it really, I think, for me, uh, very disappointing, uh, especially given Davies' long history in terms of uh, fighting for institutional reform and battling corruption. So I can only say that, you know, the compromise continues, and uh, even what Anthony Lok said about you know being calm, you know, really, really reminds me of what MCA used to say, you know, in Chinese, Luan, uh, meaning you have to be calm, don't be disruptive, and uh, I'm very concerned that DAP is heading down this uh, road of uh, ho- maybe even no return.
1: But Ken Ming, there is that issue of, I suppose, the most delicate way to put it is, uh, there's a lot of eggshells that everyone has to tread ar- around. How, how would you expect DAP to respond in a case like this? Yes, you know, corruption has to be battled. But at the same time, we, we also kind of like, need to know uh, the reasons behind uh, why this happened.
2: It's actually not that difficult. (laughs) I I think rather than, you know, putting all the pressure on Anthony Logue to make these kinds of statements, you know, the Executive Committee, it was expanded from 20 to 30 people. You know, I thought there would have been greater strength in numbers. Uh, You know, the the DAPCEC can come out with a statement to talk about some of the commitments that it still has, and it must have in the area of institutional reform. Uh, You know, and you can easily refer to the Pakata Harapan Manifesto from 2022 when many of these things were said, uh, are we are we going to stay silent when there's uh, overt attempts to buy over uh, MPs from Bersatu by giving them, a, uh, you know, allocations instead of pushing for equal allocation to be given uh, to all members of Parliament, right? So you know, this is something that we were committed to as Pakatan Harapan. Have we lost sight of that? You know, so I I, I don't think of like upsetting the political stability of the uh, unity government. If DAP the DP leadership were to be able to come up to reassert its commitment to, you know, some of these institutional reforms. But so far, crickets.
0: Mm. And uh, Keming, do you think that DAP will pay the price of this silence and lose many of its loyal supporters who honestly have been very patient with the compromises made by the party at next, at the next general elections?
2: I, I think for me, the DAP leadership is making a calculated bet mm. uh, that the fear of the so-called green wave or the fear of past uh, will may will make people continue to support, uh, you know, the Pakatan uh, Harapan and also this uh, unity setup. Uh, but I, I think it's a dangerous road to to take. Many people would think that look, it's no different voting for one side over the other, and they may not show up to vote. Uh, it would put DAP and many PH seats uh, under uh, great uh, pressure, uh, especially some of the marginal seats, and uh, and with uh, a decreasing non-Malay population. I think this is something that. Uh, the DAP and Pakatan Harapan needs to be careful of. Do not take your supporters for granted. Uh, this is a matter of the integrity of the party and also of Pakatan Harapan. And I think we still have time to save this, uh, but you know, it needs to come from uh, a place of uh, commitment on the part of the DAP leadership.
0: So, if we take this conversation a bit wider, how do we then repair this situation? What should the priorities of this Madani government be then about, you know, showing that it's serious about institutional reform and battling corruption rather than it just being, you know, lip service?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I listed down about eight things that the Madani government can do. Mm. Uh, let, let's look at something very simple. A declaration of assets on the part of ministers and deputies. Uh, it's been promised for some time already. Uh, let me just remind the audience that in 2018, our assets as uh, MPs, ministers, and deputy minister, relatively quickly, I think it was within six to nine months. Uh, now it's more than a year already. Uh, so, you know, even if, let's say, for a simple thing like that, it cannot be done, uh, you know, relatively quickly, uh, I, I think it's it's an indication of uh, the, the lack of commitment uh, on the part of this uh, unity government, especially on the part of the prime minister and also PH, not to Uh, want to tie its hands uh, on uh, institutional reform. And I think it will come back to bite PH because if, let's say, you have a situation where PH finds itself back in the opposition after the next general election, uh, you know, a lot of these institutional reforms that would have even the playing field, uh, I don't think the other side is going to be so willing to put them in place.
1: Keming, you were Deputy meeting Minister before. How do you think this will impact perception of foreign investments into Malaysia over you know, ESG concerns, especially the G part of it?
2: Yeah, I think the foreign investors are looking at this situation very closely. Uh, obviously, they want political stability and I think Regardless of what happened for Najib's case, I do not think UMNO would have left the unity government for all sorts of reasons. So political stability would have continued, uh, you know, even if let's say uh, you know you didn't have this uh, reduced sentence. Uh, but I think they are looking for other signs of uh, you know institutional reform that shows that this government is serious corruption and uh, increasing transparency and accountability in the country. And the other thing that I think uh, you know your audience needs to realize is that. The domestic audience is also looking at this. The domestic uh, you know, companies are looking at this and they're thinking to themselves, if let's say this is the way the country is going, I may not have the confidence to invest uh, long term in Malaysia uh, and I will not bring back my uh, you know, foreign, uh, foreign currency deposits to invest in Malaysia. And this could be one of the reasons why the ringgit continues to slide uh, against uh, the US dollar as well as against the Singh dollar.
0: All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Ken Ming, who is currently Director of Philosophy, Politics and Economics Program at Taylor's University and, of course, a former Deputy Minister of International Trade and Industry and still a member of DAP, giving us his thoughts on the recent pardon board's decision to reduce uh, Dato Sri Najib's jail time and also uh, fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, further to what Ken Ming was talking about, I was just looking at the NST uh, Business Times today, and they were they were discussing the ringgit's fate in mm-hmm. light of the. Uh I, I I guess the best way to describe it is the Najib discount. They, they they spoke to several analysts on the matter, um, and this this also I think the U.S. dollar against the ringgit is at four seventy five uh, yesterday compared to Friday's levels of four seventy two. But that was more or more a function of the strong jobs data from the from the U.S. coming out. But the, these analysts that the NST spoke to were of the view that uh, while the Najib discount will have little impact on the ringgit, there will be some volatility. But they still expect um, the ringgit to strengthen. They have a consensus view of. Between between 417 to 440 by the end of the year.
0: But the point also is then, are we going to encourage higher levels of domestic direct investment, which is something that the government has neglected in the last few years. We just focus on foreign mm. direct investment. All these go hand in hand to actually grow our economy. So are we sending out the right message where we seem to be taking two steps forward and then a little bit of a big one step back? Um, what's the price that we're going to pay when we're not consistent with our message when it comes to Corruption and institutional reform. That's my question. Uh, We're heading into the 8am News Bulletin, but first, a quick
1: message. Standard... Standard Chartered has been in Malaysia for 149 years and consumer banking is an important area for them. Catch our conversation with Samir, the Managing Director and Head of Consumer Private and Business Banking at Standard Chartered Bank Malaysia to learn more about how the bank is maintaining its edge in consumer banking and how Standard Chartered differentiates itself from the competition by serving clients across life stages, leveraging open architecture and investing in cutting-edge digital wealth solutions.
0: Tune in tomorrow at 9.15. Up next, of the 8 a.m. news bulletin, and that's going to be followed by the breakfast grill where Kiva Kam is going to have a very tasty one with Raymond Q, Executive Director of OLIA. Keep here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.